0: Listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this March the 13th. I'm sorry, April the 13th in the year of our Lord 2022. Boy, we're sure getting close to Christmas again. Might have to get some presents now. But be that as it may, normally on Wednesdays we do the Bible study. We've been doing the study on Proverbs. But this is Holy Week. So instead, we're going to take a look at a reading for Monday, Thursday. I have been alerted, though, that the program may be cut short uh, due to a possible weather, a tornado, etc. And so, if KFU has to uh, protect its equipment, I'll be going off the air early, but that will be announced. So we'll try and do the best we can right now. Normally, for Monday, Thursday, this is Holy Week. We got Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. On Monday, Thursday, you usually take a look at 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 is where Jesus speaks about his body and blood, gives some great understanding of. What this is all about. But today we're going to go to Luke instead, because it's also found in the gospel according to Luke. It begins chapter 22, verse 1. Now, the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death. But they feared the people. In other words, there were a number of occasions when they could have arrested Jesus, but for fear of the people that were gathered around him, like on Palm Sunday, etc., they did not want to do that. Then this verse 3 says Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was. N- of the number of the 12. So he was one of the 12 disciples. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. And as we well know, this occurred after the eating of the Passover in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now there was a crowd there, but it was really the soldiers of the chief priests. These were Jewish soldiers, these were not Romans, who came and took Jesus away. And they had with them people Who did not like Jesus at all. So this was not a crowd they had to worry about. At any rate, it continues with the Passover, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now, this is a reminder of what happened in the Old Testament. When God had the people of Israel leave the slavery of Egypt, go through the Red Sea, etc. But before that, they had to sacrifice an animal and put its blood over the doorway. And therefore, it reminds us of the blood of Jesus over the wooden cross that also saved us. At any rate, the Passover was celebrated each year. And there would be a a large number of people who came to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate that Passover. So Jesus sent Peter and John. He said to them, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? Remember, the Bible says Jesus had no house, no home. He often was at the home of women who would follow him and feed his disciples and him. But Mary and Martha would be a good example of that. Remember when they were having that Bible study. And so, Jesus, where are you going to have this Passover? You don't have a house. He said to them, verse 10, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So this is a really quite amazing that Jesus, either told by his father or his divine nature realizing the future, knew that there would be a man carrying a jar of water to follow him into the house he would go into, and the master of the house was told about the guest room needed for Jesus, which he had already begun to prepare. It was totally furnished, which meant it had a place for the disciples to eat the Passover. So, this is all prepared by God ahead of time. Remember, when the Apostle Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, There was an individual who Ananias was told that to baptize the apostle Paul and he ended up doing so and taking care of the apostle because he was blind from the Damascus experience until he could see and was baptized. There's an example of God telling an individual about what was necessary to be done, just as God spoke to both the servant who was carrying the water and the master of the house to prepare for the coming of Jesus. At any rate, verse 14, And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. Now, the word recline is really important. At special meals, people want not be sitting in chairs. You've got, well, artists who have drawn Jesus at the Lord's Last Supper. Isn't it Michelangelo? He has this table with Jesus in the center of it. Disciples on each side, all looking at the camera, so to speak. No, that, that's not how it happened. To recline meant that you actually kind of lay on the floor with the table, which was very short from the floor, in front of you. And you would rest left arm with your feet going out away from the table and then eat with your right arm. That's how they reclined, and this was for important banquets. It's part of the reason why the woman who anointed Jesus' feet did not have to crawl under a table to get to Jesus' feet because he was laying prone in such a way that his feet were extended beyond the table away from it so he was therefore ready to eat with the disciples and he says in verse 15 i have earnestly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer now jesus knew from god the father And even from the Old Testament, that he would be dying on a cross. And that was going to be on Good Friday. But this is kind of interesting. There's a difference between Roman time and Jewish time. Roman time, it kind of begins at midnight. So one can say that Jesus had the Passover on Thursday night. Then he was arrested. And according to Roman time on Friday morning, he was then tried and put to death at nine o'clock or put on the cross at nine o'clock till three when he died on Friday. But, Looking at Jewish time, they measured time not from midnight on, but from sunset. So around six o'clock, that was Thursday, but it lasted all the way around for 24 hours. So one can say that according to Jewish time, Jesus had the Last Supper on Thursday, he was arrested Thursday night after the Garden of Gethsemane. He was tried later, and that was still Thursday, and he was crucified on Thursday. In in other words, it wasn't until 6 o'clock the following day that it became Friday and Jesus was buried in the tomb and was there for Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday when he rose from the dead. So it's kind of interesting to think about those time changes, realizing that the meal, the trial, the crucifixion, all really occurred on a single day. And he was therefore raised from the dead three days later on Sunday. He continues. We're looking at Luke 22, verse 16. Now, the ESV says, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of god but other manuscripts in the greek say i will not eat it again because he definitely participates in the eating of the passover on this Monday thursday now Monday thursday when i was a kid I couldn't figure out. Are we talking about Monday, Thursday? And we weren't sure what day it was. Was it either Monday or was it Thursday? That was something we were trying to figure out. But the word Monday is not Monday. It's spelled M-A-U-N-D-Y. And it is from the word for mandatum, the commandment. So we call it Monday Thursday because Jesus gives a new commandment to the disciples. Now, it's not found in the Gospel of Luke, but it is the commandment to love one another as I have loved you. That's why we call it Monday Thursday. It's the commandment that he gave. And that love is shown by what he's about to say right now. Verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and uh, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, What follows is Jesus giving out the bread and another cup. During the Passover, there were three cups used talking about their escape from Egypt all the way to their entry into the promised land. There were significant understandings of these cups. So Jesus after he gave this first cup, he then, verse 19, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, you can have a number of sermons just on that. This is my body. You see, there's a division among Christians as to what is meant by this. Lutherans and those who believe what the Bible says believe this is the body of Jesus Christ. We can explain it. In Roman Catholic theology, they do explain it in the teaching of transubstantiation. That's a philosophical understanding that the essence of the bread is gone and replaced by the essence of Christ's body. It's accidents, which means what it looks like, what it tastes like, remain. So it tastes like bread, it looks like bread but in reality, it's the body of Christ. As Lutherans, we disagree with that, not only because the Bible doesn't give a description as to how it becomes, it doesn't use the term transubstantiation. And therefore, we believe in 1 Corinthians 10, where very clearly Paul says, and the bread we break, is it not the body of Christ? The cup we drink, is it not the blood? In other words, for Lutherans, what you receive when you go to the Lord's Supper is bread and wine, body and blood. Now, people say, well, how's that possible? Well, I'll tell you how that's possible If you tell me how it's possible when Moses was on Mount Sinai and there was a burning bush, even though it was on fire, it was not being consumed, and God was in, with, and under that bush. In fact, it was none other than the angel of the Lord who was Jesus Christ and is Jesus Christ. And he says, I am Yahweh, I am my name, I am who I am. Therefore, it's very important to remember that Jesus was very much like that burning bush. God the Father is not a burning bush, but he was in with and under it in a way that it was a sacred place, and Moses had to take off his shoes, his sandals. So also, when we receive the Lord's Supper, we're receiving bread and wine, but it's definitely God's body and blood that we're receiving. So not only the Roman Catholic Church— we believe has an error in understanding it, although it does have a proper Lord's Supper. But some churches just believe that it's kind of a metaphor. You're not really receiving the body and blood of Christ, but it's as though it was the body and blood. And in Reformed theology, they believe it cannot be the body and blood of Christ because they make a distinction between his divinity and his humanity and that after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Calvin taught, for example, that the body of Christ is in heaven. The divinity of Christ is everywhere. So you can't be receiving the body of Christ because it's in heaven. So you receive it through faith, but not in reality by receiving the bread and the wine. So there are different views, but we as Lutherans follow what the Bible says. Jesus says, This is my body. Hoc as corpus maum is how Luther wrote it uh, on a dusty table when he was arguing with others about the Lord's Supper. This is my body. It doesn't say this resembles my body or this could refer to the body. No, this is my body. And after that, he says, when he distributes the cup, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Wow. What does that mean? Well, we get that word covenant again, and we need to understand that when the Bible talks about the Old Testament and the New Testament, many people, including Lutherans, think it's talking about the 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament. But that's not where the word covenant or testament, what it ever means in the Bible it instead refers to the two agreements that God had made. The Old Testament agreement, which is found in Exodus 24, the people hear the law of God, and they say, all these things we will do and obey. Well, guess what? They don't they don't obey them, and they would die eternally. The new covenant in Christ's blood is one in which Jesus has paid for your sins. He is your substitute on the cross, as though you yourself were on the cross, which occurs when you are baptized. You're crucified with him. You're buried with him. You have arisen from the dead. You are now alive in the church. And you are also at the right hand of God, according to the first chapter in Ephesians, where it makes it very clear that with Christ, who is the head of the body, you're part of the body. And right now, you're at the right hand of God. So, after Jesus distributes his body and blood, it says, For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. In other words, his crucifixion is not an accident that occurred, it's a determined prophecy that God made all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, throughout the Old Testament. And that's why Jesus knew so much about his death and his resurrection. Just in Mark alone, three times he tells his disciples, after he dies, he will rise in three days. But just a few people believe that. The disciples don't believe it. His own family doesn't believe it. Many of the women who were following him didn't believe it because on Easter Sunday, they were traveling to the grave in order to anoint a dead body. And only a few realized he wouldn't be there. So what we have here from Luke 22 is additional information concerning the Lord's Supper and makes it very clear that this is truly what we call a sacrament, a holy way in which God distributes to us the assurance of the forgiveness of his sins. Monday, Thursday. A very, very important date with services often having the Lord's Supper. Uh, Next week, by the way, well, first of all, Good Friday, we won't be on the air. There's special music going to be being played. And the week after that, there's going to be an occasion for you to donate to KFUO we would encourage you also to donate to law and gospel specifically. And you do that by listening at the end of the program, giving you the address and how to write out a check, because that's the way that law and gospel continues on KFUO. We certainly appreciate that. And we look forward to hearing that you're not only supporting law and gospel, but you may also be writing checks for KFUO to support the other programs that definitely are Reformation programs, teaching that you're saved by grace through faith on account of Jesus who gave us his body and his blood. On tomorrow's Law & Gospel, our last broadcast for this week. We'll be talking with Wes Reimnitz over another subject giving you an update on the Finland situation with the pastor being prosecuted as well as some other information for your interest. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow God bless you.